I think a lot of it boils down to we as humans don't have proper boundaries in how we live. And the boundaries of what we consume, not just food, but the information that we consume. Right now is a stressful time. And if we're watching the news several hours a day, we're consuming a lot of negative information. And that stresses people out. It concerns us. Uh, As governments open things up and then close things back down again, that's stressful for many people because they're worried. They have fear that they could lose their job. There could be an income drop in their household. They won't be able to do the things that they like doing. You know, with the holidays coming up, there's a lot of concern of, will I be able to go home for Christmas or see loved ones for the holidays or whatever holiday you observe? It, it, it's really, really problematic. And you know that stress builds up. Hi, and welcome to Podcaster Stories. Each show, we'll have a conversation with podcasters across all mediums and share their story, what motivates them, why they started a show, how they grew their show, and more. We'll also talk about their personal lives and some of the things that have happened that have made them the person they are today. And now, here's your host, Danny Brown. Hi, and welcome to another episode of Podcaster Stories. This week, I have Mike Levitt, host of the Breakfast Leadership Show, which looks to help leaders reduce stress and prevent burnout and focus on what really matters the most. So, Mike, welcome to the show. I really appreciate you being here. How about you introduce yourself and a bit of background about your show? Thank you so much, Danny. Glad to be here. So, again, Michael Levitt, I'm the host of the Breakfast Leadership Show, and I launched the Breakfast Leadership Network several years ago to address burnout. And I started off working with C-suite executives, but I've expanded that to working with organizations that want to improve the mental and physical well-being of their employees because burnout takes a huge toll on every organization and with lost productivity, absenteeism, maybe even lost employees because they you know, have to go out on mental or sick leave or potentially leave your organization altogether. And that's definitely something that we'll be speaking about um, in the show. I think it's important as well with today being World Mental Health Day um, that, as you mentioned, you, you know, we can lose employees and colleagues you know, through stress and burnout, not just from a sort of taking time off work, which I think everybody tends to they think of or the stress gives them some time off but obviously it causes a lot more issues than just time off work oh definitely and, and thank you for acknowledging mental health day um it's a it's a big challenge and we're seeing a lot of issues especially during this pandemic where a lot of people are struggling with work and life and everything in between and it's it's not a good time for a lot of people but it doesn't have to be that way um there are some things that we all can do to help ease the stress and and keep our our mental wellness a top priority now, you mentioned that obviously the pandemic, and my wife, funnily enough, sent out a newsletter um, this morning uh, where she mentioned the, the mental health effects of the pandemic and you know, on people in general. How much of a, obviously the pandemic's had a huge impact on, on people globally. How much do you think's actually being recognised by, say, workplaces? I know a lot of workplaces are now moving to a remote-only option. Microsoft just announced that they'll be fully remote now if people wish to do that. How much do you feel that there's a, workplaces still need to get up to speed with what's happening when it comes to, you know, stress, burnout, mental health with this pandemic, I guess? Yeah, there's a couple stats that I'd like to share. One, Monster.com did a study earlier in the summer, 
and they indicated that 69% of those surveyed employees are identifying as being burned out. So that's roughly 7 out of 10 employees are dealing with some type of burnout right now, much of it due to working remotely and working from home and trying to juggle all the things that we're doing and not spending the time to separate work and home. Because before, for many of us, if we weren't working from our home, there was basically segments in our day. We would get up in the morning, we would go to work, commute, whether driving or taking a subway or something like that, working, you know, and then taking a break at lunch and whatever coffee breaks and whatnot, leaving, going home, and then you'd have the separation. Well, now everything's in one spot. And so many people are just getting up first thing in the morning and they just start working. And they work late into the evening every day because of Zoom calls and everything else that's going on. And congratulations, so many people became full-time school teachers as well because their kids were home, because the schools were closed. And it's really created a lot of challenges. Another study indicated that 54% of employees feel that the HR department are not doing enough to address their mental needs. Now, some organizations are starting to look into this, but they need to get ahead of it because for the longest time, and burnout was around before this pandemic. I've been talking about burnout for years, and I have a book uh, that was written and published in 1980 called Burnout. So it's been around a long time, but it's getting attention now. And the challenge that we're seeing is so many people are, are dealing with this burnout and organizations ignored it for the longest time because they didn't see a direct impact on the bottom line. They didn't see it in the financial statements. But I guarantee you they will because this year alone, in talking with a colleague of mine who's in the insurance industry, the mental health claims and the insurance claims for mental health related matters are skyrocketing. So what that means is the claims are going to exceed you know, basically what your benefits package was set up as. So next year, when it comes to renewal time, many employers are going to be paying much higher insurance premiums because the claims went so far up on the mental health side of things. That's going to impact the bottom line, and that can be prevented by organizations if they take a more proactive approach in addressing the stress and well-being that so many of their employees are facing and not just handing them an EAP brochure and say, here, you can call somebody toll-free and you know, have a chat with them. we got to go beyond that. There's more investment that employers need to do for the well-being of their employees. And I think that, that ties in really uh, nicely. To, you'd mentioned that you wrote a book back in 1980. Um, was it 1980 or 20 years ago? Sorry. 1980. Uh, 1980, I hate to do the yeah. math, that was 40 years ago. <laughs> 40 years ago. I, it, 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 it feels like about five years ago, because I remember <laughs> 1980 pretty clearly, but I had hair back then too. So um, <laughs> completely different world, but not really. Uh, so yeah, it's it it's it's been around a long time, but um, it's definitely more, uh, it's more talked about, because I think mental health is being more talked about. Uh, the stigma, while it's still there, is easing up. And I think, you know, like in Canada, for example, Bell Let's Talk, that has brought a ton of awareness. And there's key people in the world that have publicly indicated that they've had some mental health challenges. And they are strong advocates to say, it's okay to say that you're not okay and get the help that you need. And because you want to be the healthiest version of yourself, we have no problem going to a doctor if we have an ailment or indigestion or some type of physical ailment. 
should be the same way if there's something going on as far as how we're feeling and what's on our mind and our thoughts and behaviors and getting those addressed to make sure that we're the best version of ourselves is critical and crucial and everyone should encourage it. Now, I know your background is in healthcare, um, and I was reading on your site where, when you were mentioning these stats from Monster um, uh, elsewhere earlier. I know on your, your website you've got a, a stat from that really stood out for me from the World Health Organization mm-hmm. about uh, occupational burnout and the numbers from your own time in healthcare and uh, the, the numbers coming out from the WHO mm-hmm. is 75%, 75% of patients that you saw cited stress as the reason they were there. Uh, and that's that's a pretty scary number. I mean, you mentioned seven out of ten. That's even higher, like seven and a half out of ten, you know, um, of occupational burnout. What do you think are some of the key factors in this, both from your time in, in healthcare and the people you speak to, you know, on your show? Uh, and how do we get that back under control, do you think? I think a lot of it boils down to we as humans don't have proper boundaries in how we live. And the boundaries of what we consume, not just food, but the information that we consume. Right now is a stressful time, and if we're watching the news several hours a day, we're consuming a lot of negative information, and that stresses people out. It concerns us uh, as governments open things up and then close things back down again. That's stressful for many people because they're worried. They have fear that they could lose their job, there could be an income drop in their household, they won't be able to do the things that they like doing. You know, with the holidays coming up, there's a lot of concern of, will I be able to go home for Christmas or see loved ones for the holidays or whatever holiday you observe? It, it, it's really, really problematic. And, you know, that stress builds up. But as far as the cases of what we what we saw when I was in healthcare and primary care, with all of the stress, again, it's improper nutrition um, and not getting enough rest. If you eat better, and I'm not telling people just to eat kale salads all day and night. That's not what I mean. I highly recommend everybody find a nutritionist or a dietitian and work with them to figure out the right foods for you because each of us have some type of food intolerance. So if you can find the right foods for you that provide you the natural energy that you need to have a sustainable energy level throughout your day so you don't have to hit that 2 p.m. Red Bull or cup of coffee, that will make you feel better because your body won't need all the extra stimulants, which creates the imbalance rises and crashes and all that stuff, which does cause physical stress on our bodies. Couple that with sleep. So many of us have horrible sleep. And when we get deep sleep, that's when our body repairs all the damage that we do to ourselves on a daily basis. And if we're not sleeping well, then today's damage gets piled on to tomorrow's damage and it just continues. And then you start seeing physical ailments. You know, gut bacteria, for example, if you're not eating properly, can create problems. You know, the diabetic population continues to increase. And I just saw literally about a half an hour before we jumped on, that uh, the metformin, it's a heavily prescribed drug for diabetes, has been recalled because there are cancer-causing agents in that medication. So here's a medication trying to help people. And, oh, congratulations. Yeah, we're keeping your diabetes under control. But now we've just introduced the possibility that you're going to have cancer. So welcome to chemo and radiation. And and a lot of that is driven by how we take care of ourselves, our activity, and what we eat. Now, some people, and working in healthcare, there are some cultures that unfortunately 
are prone to get type 2 diabetes. They can be healthy, have all the right indicators, but unfortunately, just their you know their DNA makeup and the culture where they came from can create those situations. So that's always concerning when I see a majorly prescribed medication being recalled because I'm, I'm thinking how many millions and millions of people are taking that, and again that causes stress. So if you've got a chronic disease, you're stressed. And actually, the key thing about stress is there are I believe the number is 26 chronic diseases that stress is actually an element as a potential cause for that chronic disease. Hypertension, high blood pressure, all of these things. So if you don't control your stress, you're creating scenarios where you could end up with several chronic diseases. And again, unfortunately, and again, primary care, you know, we saw people that had four or five different chronic diseases, which means, you know, as a physician, there's all kinds of prescriptions that are being written for these people instead of gravitating them to better nutrition, more activities and things like that. And I know that they can get off of those medications. I'm, I'm a perfect example. You know, I had my cardiac event back in 2009 with my burnout and all of that stuff. And I'm off all my heart medications. I don't take them anymore because I'm taking nutrients and I've worked with nutritionists and naturopathic doctors and all of that and getting proper exercise and eating vegetables. You know, here's a pro tip at the grocery store, shop the perimeter, try to limit, don't, I mean, I'll, by all means, there's things in there, spices and things like that you want to cook with, that's great. But try not to make sure that the majority of your food comes in a cardboard box. That's, that's not good for you. Yeah, and it's interesting you mentioned about the the food and nutrition. Uh, there was a meme on Facebook a, a while back, and it did, did the rounds quite a bit. And it was comparing the price of, as you mentioned, buying healthy foods, so vegetables, you know, mm-hmm. um, the proper uh, carbohydrates, the proper proteins, etc. And then you compare that to like a bottle of pop or a fast food joint McDonald's meal, and you could get a McDonald's meal for three bucks, and for the equivalent amount of protein, etc. Obviously, McDonald's isn't healthy protein, but that's by the mm-hmm. by. But it cost about 20, 25 bucks um, to get the same amount of, say, fresh veg, you know, um, good, good milk, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I know a lot of governments, especially with the pandemic, that's, you know, they're, they're really looking at ways they serve their, uh, their their communities, their, you know, the people that put them into power. And one of the things is universal basic income, for example. Mm-hmm. But And that's a great start. But do you think there needs to be, and going back to your point, how you got off your medication through proper nutrition, exercise, you know, and, and really looking after yourself, do we need to put as much emphasis on making junk food more expensive than the healthy food, especially for lower income families where they switch to the junk food because that's all that they can basically afford? Yeah, I, I think there's definitely ways to look at that because, but I have noticed, and I'll I'll, I'll pick on the Golden Arches for a minute. Um, they do have healthy food options. Um, you just have to know what to order. Uh, but you know, on, on one of their meals, for example, if you order the number three with a Coke, for example, you know that's going to run you, you know, in in Canada, twelve maybe thirteen dollars. It used to be four or five. Now it's twelve or thirteen, and I have found that you can shop. I I went to the grocery store this morning, and hit up the veggie aisle, fresh meats, lean meats, all of that kind of good stuff, um, and you know dividing that by the number of meals that I will get out of that food is considerably cheaper than ordering number three with a Coke. 
um, or anything like that. So it, it's just understanding how to prepare meals and things like that. And the, the advent of the internet, the beautiful thing is, and even there's so many of these meal box systems that are out there as well that can help you kind of guide yourself to preparing meals that are healthier, fresh ingredients, finding the nutrients that work for you. And I know some people say they don't have time, but here's what they'll do. They'll get home from work and they'll use a food ordering app and have somebody deliver the food for them. Uh, I cooked dinner last night and I had the veggies, I had starches, I had lean meats. Uh, It was done in 22 minutes. And ordering a food app, you're waiting 30 to 45. So they say, well, it's quicker to order. Mm -hmm. Um, Maybe if you're driving to there from work and picking it up or even leaving your house and going there and coming back uh, I find that it's actually uh, quicker to make your own meals on top of that it's one of those things and this is one of the things where I think a lot of people get in trouble with stress is they multitask they try to do too many things when you're preparing a meal and I'll be honest with you I have not been someone to cook meals up until probably the last four or five years actually I'd say probably closer to three years I find it very therapeutic to be cutting up the vegetables, getting them prepared, whether I'm going to grill them or eat them raw or whatever the case may be, preparing the meats, preparing if I'm having potatoes or rice, taking care of all of those things. It's very therapeutic because you need to pay attention to what you're doing, especially if you're using a knife, okay? Now, I still have all of my digits. <laughs> I haven't cut them yet, knock on wood, but there's something about that. It's It's a... I'm almost a, a self-care type of thing for me where it's like I enjoy cooking. I enjoy preparing things. I like experimenting with some things. And I like tasting food. And you can't you can't really taste fast food. I mean, it's got flavor, of course, but anymore you eat it and check how you're feeling. How's your energy levels? How's your gut? And all those things. And again, I, I a big component of stress, and we're starting to see more and more studies about this, is your gut activity, your gut bacteria. Um, for many of us, when you know our generation, uh, we were over-prescribed antibiotics. And there's studies showing that that has impacted our ability to have a, a clean digestive system. So that's why you start seeing the need for antacids and uh, all of those types of things, because the gut bacteria that we need to break down the foods and properly, you know, divvy the things up to what they're supposed to do inside our bodies has been eaten away a little bit. So your body's going, I don't know what to do with this stuff. So it sends it back up and you get acid reflux and it's a, it's a fun thing to have. Um, but again, all of these things like acid reflux, for example, sometimes that flares up at night and it could flare up while you're sleeping. It wakes you up if you have it. Well, guess what? You've been interrupted with your sleep. So you're not repairing the damage to your body because you're not getting good sleep. So that's why nutrition is such an important thing. And uh, well, again, why I highly recommend people to work with a nutritionist or a dietitian to figure out what are the right foods for you so you can live a better, healthier life and have more natural energy instead of the um, stimulants that we, we all use and choose. Now, I know your breakfast leadership shop, that's been gone since 2017, I believe. Correct. Yep. Has experience lived up to your expectations and what's been different from what you might have expected you know, when you first started the show? 
Yeah, when I launched the show, my original content or my original intent for the show was I was I didn't really have a plan to interview anybody. I was just going to have basically little five to ten minute snippets on ideas on how to reduce stress and reduce your burnout and things like that. And in the first and you know fifty or sixty episodes of the show was just that. Uh, but then I was encouraged by a good colleague of mine to say, you know, you should interview guests. So I started and. It, it it's blown me away um, the the fun conversations that I get to have with people across the globe on a variety of different things. Yes, burnout is one of them, but the show has kind of taken on a direction of these are successful entrepreneurs, they're successful people in life that are doing great things, and they share their story as to how they got there. Because so many people want to do something different in their life than they're doing right now. So it provides them some insights behind the curtain scenes of how individuals were able to adjust and pivot and grow in their organizations to get the growth that they want, to be where they want to be. Some of them are not where they want to be yet, but they're still growing and doing some great things. And it, it, it's been amazing, you know, the reaction that I get, you know, some of the feedback that I get. Um, you know, I get international rankings. I, I scratch my head and say, "Why? Why am I so popular in the UK?" <laughs> I've, I've, I, I'm here. I am. I'm a dual citizen. I split time between the United States and Canada. I'm like, what's? Why is the UK listening to me? And you know, and I'm thankful. You know, believe me, I'm, I'm thrilled that you know anybody listens to my show. It, it's, it's a good thing. Um, but it's entertaining. It's fun because I've gained so much professional and personal growth from the conversations I've had having interviews you know, that are, you know, I'm being interviewed and obviously the ones that I've uh, held myself, you just gain so much knowledge. And, and I, when people are, and I know a lot of people are familiar with podcasts now more so than they were even three years ago. And when I explained to people that had never listened before, I said, the beautiful thing I like about podcasts is if you love talk radio, imagine just being able to listen to a station or several stations on the exact content you want. Because if we listen to talk radio, in an hour, there may be four segments, maybe five segments, and there's going to be maybe one or two of those segments that are interesting to us, and then the others, we're like, I'm not going to pay any attention. But with this, you can pick and choose and say, I want to listen to this type of content and again, it's for growth. And, and there, of course, there's comedy and entertainment shows and things like that. And I know a lot of people listen to those things too. You know, make a, a good harmonious balance with things because, uh, as a world, we definitely need to laugh more, uh, especially during a pandemic. But long story short, I love the medium. I know it's got a lot of growth um, coming. Uh, because there's so many new players that are coming into it, which is going to drive people into it. And uh, it's a great creative uh, way to do it. And I, what I find best about it is, uh, you know, and just to kind of behind the curtains thing for me is it took me a while to get my feet around when I should do interviews because I was doing them every day and it was kind of scattered and all of that. And then one of the things that I do for my own stress reduction and prevention is I have themes for every day of my week. So on Mondays, I do, I, I'm do. i a public speaker, so I do a lot of public speaking engagements, all of them virtual now. My luggage misses me, but <laughs> they're all virtual. But Mondays are the days that I do research on that, reach out to event planners, and uh, line up some speaking events. Tuesdays I use for intro calls or follow-up calls. 
Wednesdays are my podcast show recording days. That's usually the day I record. Unless someone can't do it on a Wednesday, then I've got some flexibility. And then Thursdays and Fridays, I don't schedule anything. I leave those open for those last minute, hey, can we jump on a call this week? And typically I can say, yeah, how's your Thursday or Friday look? I keep those open. I'm thankful that, and it's taken time for me to figure that out, but I know by having themes for every day of the week, I don't have to think about really anything differently. I know, okay, today's Monday. My focus is on speaking Tuesdays. Let's have some calls and learn some new things about people. Wednesdays, I'm wearing this thing and doing what we're doing right now. And then Thursdays and Fridays can be a little bit more, um, I don't want to say chaotic, but they'll have a lot of different flavors to them based on what has come up from from the week. And by doing that, I don't have to shift gears and do different things all the time. And and I think that's something if and most people can do that even if they're working for an organization. I think it's a good idea to sort out and figure out, you know, where, you know, the work makes sense during your week and you work with your manager and say, "Hey, I got an idea. I want to try this." And what'll happen is you know, okay, Wednesdays I work on the financials or Thursdays I work on follow-up calls or whatever makes sense for you. By doing that, your brain is working on like-minded tasks, so it's not so hard to shift gears into doing different things. It just it makes it a little bit more organized, and I think by doing that, it helps reduce a lot of the, the stress of switching gears and multitasking and all of that. Now, speaking of stress, and I know you'd alluded to it earlier, um, your medical event uh, back mm-hmm. in 2009, you had quite... Um, an adventure for, for want of a better description. Yeah. Um, you Obviously, you, you had um, a heart attack, mm-hmm. um, but you also had some personal stuff that happened at the same time. Yeah. And I can only imagine how all that combined, you know, would have affected you. So so what happened there and how did you react, I guess? Yeah, yeah. so you know, real quickly in, in 2009, after being a healthcare executive at a startup healthcare organization uh, for a couple of years, over a period of a year, 369 days, from May 2009 to May 2010, I had a heart attack that should have killed me. I lost my job during the Great Recession. My car was repossessed and my home was foreclosed all in a year. Um, and why did those things happen? Because I was burned out. I was so burned out I wasn't taking care of myself. My nutrition plan was breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Um, talking into a microphone, driving around the corner, paying and getting handed a brown bag. That, that was my meal plan um, because I was working so many hours in this, ironically, healthcare organization. Um, I wasn't taking care of myself. You know, Healthcare organizations tell people how to live their lives, but here I was not walking the walk. And then when after you lose your job during the Great Recession, there wasn't a lot of jobs available in that area that I was in. And, oh, congratulations, now you're on all these heart medications. It was costing me $1,000 a month because I didn't have any drug insurance coverage. And I was on unemployment, which means a lot less income coming in. You have to pay for food for your family and all of a sudden $1,000 a month for drugs. Um, and not the fun kind of drugs, but the stuff <laughs> that keeps you alive. Um, maybe I should have taken those instead. Probably could have felt better. I don't know. I'm, I'm not judging. You know, they're saying yes or no. But end of the day, when you do that, it impacts your ability to pay other bills. And of course, I worked with all of our creditors and they all gave us grace 
you know, for a period of time, but unfortunately that grace period ran out and the bank you know, exercised their right to take back the vehicle and foreclose the home. And I don't blame them. You know, it, the, we had an agreement. I didn't live up to the agreement, of course, of circumstances, but at the end of the day, I couldn't pay bills. And if you can't pay bills, you know, they have a right to take that stuff back and they did. And, but all of those things happened because I was burned out and I wasn't taking care of myself. So after surviving all of those things, I, you know, had a choice. I was like, well, I survived them. I get, my must be Superman. I'm not going to change a thing. Or I realize I never want to go through a year like that ever again. What do I need to do to make sure that doesn't happen? And I did a lot of deep work and a lot of reflection and intro, you know, just kind of looking in. And I did it in a caring, loving way. So I'm very thankful that uh, some people very close to me told me, it's like, you know, look within, but don't judge. Just observe, you know, the choices and the behaviors and the thoughts that you did that led up to that year of worst case scenarios. And then from there, see what areas you can make adjustments in to prevent that from happening again. And that's what I did. You know, for me... You know, I, I made the choice to completely reinvent myself. Now, for most people that are burned out, I don't want to scare them. No, you don't have to reinvent yourself. The majority of people don't. They have to make some adjustments in their lives on a couple things, and that can make a big difference. And even stopping burnout doesn't take a lot to stop it. Get good sleep, eat better, get active, control your inputs of what you're watching and consuming. Um, rest, be thankful for things that you're thankful for. Uh, especially on this Canadian Thanksgiving weekend. Um, be thankful. Even though we're in the middle of a pandemic, there's still a ton of things to be thankful for. And and focus on that, and that can stop the burnout. But then the deeper work people need to do is to determine what led up to the burnout in the first place. What were my thoughts, my beliefs, my habits, those things. And that takes a bit more work because you have to look within, and a lot of people are very afraid to do that. But if you do... Do it with love. Love yourself because you're never with anybody more than yourself, ever. Um, even if you have a sidekick that's always at your side, you're still, you know, you live with yourself every day of your life. So you got to love yourself and look and see why those things happen. And I recommend, uh, if, if you're having difficulties with that, to work with a therapist to, to guide you through that. Uh, I didn't in those early days. I did the work myself. I think it would have been beneficial for me to work with a therapist earlier. I think it would have uh, expedited some things and probably provided a little bit more clarity on some things that took a little bit longer for me to figure out. But at the end of the day, I'm living the ideal life now, and I'm I'm happy to be alive, obviously, and you know, help others, you know, navigate their burnout journey as well. And and were you ever concerned, if you like, because obviously, as you mentioned, you had to reinvent yourself. Um, there was certain decisions you had to make to to really avoid what had happened in the run up to your your event, your your health issues. Mm-hmm. Were you ever concerned that as you were going through the rebuilding process, um, that you may be taking on more stress or more burnout because now you're having to start from scratch. You've got bills to pay, you've got mm-hmm. responsibilities, but you've also got a new life, again, for want of a better description, to build. Were you ever concerned that you may end up back at square one because of what you were now taking on? Early on, yes. I was concerned that burnout would creep back in. But thankfully, I knew the signs of burnout at that point. I certainly didn't know them before, although they were all there. Um, and 
loved ones and friends and family you know, tried to warn me, but I wouldn't listen to them. And I think that was a big, big mistake on my part. I could have potentially headed off so many of those losses if I would have you know, caught it and started doing things differently. Who knows about the cardiac event? You know, that, that could have been something that could have come up. At least I could have, you know, potentially been put on some medications to, you know, unblock the arteries and things like that. So I wouldn't have had to have the heart attack, but that's hard to say. Uh, but w once starting anew and rebuilding, I looked at it, and this is a mindset thing, I looked at it from a point of curiosity. And I was intentional about choices and thoughts. And literally, I mean, I, and of course, it slows things down a bit, which I think is a good thing for many of us, is when I made a decision or if I reacted to something, I would pause and say, okay, why am I either happy about this or why am I upset about this particular moment? And you know, even I'll be honest, I even had this you know, conversation with my better half and myself earlier today you know, regarding this pandemic and governments closing things down and you know, really impacting businesses and families and you know, wondering, okay, is a blanket approach to close everything down the right thing to do, or should they be more pinpoint on the problem areas instead of just doing a blanket closing of everything? And really struggled with that and was borderline upset about the situation. And But upon reflection, looking at it going, okay, I think as a society and everybody uh, should look to whatever decisions are being made by others as their intent is to do the best that they think that they can do at this moment with the information that they have and go at it in a non-judgmental way. And it's easy for us, especially with social media and everything else and U.S. presidential elections. It's just there's all kinds of stress going on all over the place. And we're very quick to judge and say they shouldn't do this you know, and get on our soapbox and start pointing and yelling doesn't help anything. It doesn't make things better. Um, all it does is it builds up our stress. And I, you know, thankfully caught it. You know, it took me a bit because sometimes I'm slow when it comes to things like that. Um, I've got a history for that. But <laughs> at the end of the day, you know, I realize, okay, what can I do? What are things that I can do to deal with this situation? Okay, if I'm concerned about We'll pick on restaurants because a lot of in, in Toronto, all the restaurants are, are being closed for indoor dining um, as of today. Um, so, in that situation, I can still order food from my favorite restaurants. They're still open for takeout. Obviously, pick nutrition foods and all of that. But again, it's one of those things where for me, it was being empathetic for the potential losses that that business has and the people that work for it and the ripple effect. And it, it goes back, to, and I'll be honest with you, it, it's a trigger because it brings me back to my experience of losing everything. And I don't want people to go through that. That's why I do the work that I do. I don't want people to have burnout create those scenarios where they could lose their job, their car, their house, have to relocate to a brand new community and leave friends and family behind. It's not that's not pleasant. And I don't want people to go through that experience. That's why I stand on my soapbox and say, burnout is dangerous. You don't want to mess with it. Now, your show, we mentioned earlier, um, your show is three years old, or it's a little over three years old. Um, 
And obviously, you mentioned you've got listeners in the UK um, that, you know, uh, get in touch with you and it's really grown the way you want it to. What are your goals for the future of the show? I know you've you mentioned it came from just being yourself talking about some topics. Now it's the, the Breakfast Leadership Show where you're talking to people every you know every episode. What's your goals, you know, for the show and, and its direction? I, I think for the, the next few years, especially with what's going on in this pandemic, is there's a lot of potential that, I probably need to have either some spin-offs of the show to focus more specific on separate items. You know, health obviously is a big concern of mine for people. Um, maybe doing a focal point on that. Small business, you know, the heart and soul of so many countries. Um, that's why I bring in a lot of people to help small business leaders to you know, grow their businesses and do things and learn from experiences of others. And then obviously the burnout side of things, uh, making sure that there's, you know, tips that people that are hearing again and again on how to quickly stop burnout and then start doing the deeper work to figure out why you burned out in the first place. That's why I'm a certified CBT, uh, cognitive behavioral therapy and neuro-linguistic programming NLP therapist. I went out and got those um, certificates because what I was finding and working with people and teams is a lot of the situations that led to their burnout, including myself, was their thoughts, our beliefs, our behaviors. And that's why, you know, getting certified in those two practices has been really helpful for me to be able to guide people to look within and see, okay, why do you think you burned out? Okay, what were the ingredients? What were your choices? Why did you react that way? And get them thinking about some things so they recognize, okay, my thoughts on this led me to make these choices, which turned into this situation, which created this situation, which led me to have prolonged stress, and prolonged stress turns into burnout. And it's been really helpful for insights of me is why people burn out and more importantly, what they can do to get out of it and, and crucially prevent it from happening again. The spinoffs sound really cool. It sounds like, um, like on the, the first step, episode of this season uh, I was speaking to um, a couple of ladies uh, Janelle and Rachel um, and they have like a, a spin-off of their show where they concentrate on sharing uh, untold tales of black indigenous and mm. you know uh, people of colors uh, stories which I think is really cool to see podcasts move away as you mentioned to your own podcast to move away from say the core not really move away uh, that's still the core message mm-hmm. but still have these little offshoots I mean you see it on TV all the time you have you know main episodes on say uh, Amazon or Netflix and then you have little spin-offs so the Star Wars movie you've got like the Solo movie or Rogue mm-hmm. One or whatever um, and I, I think it's interesting to see podcasters do that because I think um, you know yourself a lot of the time podcasters don't get taken seriously we're little geeks in our basements or our bedrooms kind of, kind of like the video game quarters back in the 80s so mm-hmm. it's really cool to see you move into that direction as well and then, so what what you go with that are you looking to launch some of that next year is it like a three five year plan or yeah i'm gonna start looking into it uh for 2021 for sure because i've got a backload of interviews uh that are coming up over the next uh month or so i i tend to take the entire month of december off so i don't do hardly anything i I dabble in little things but uh i started doing that a couple years ago just for my own well-being and self-care it's like i've had a it's a good way for me to reflect on the year and look and do some you know 
business planning and whatnot. You know, it's not like I just sit on the couch and, and stare at the television and watch college football bowl games all the time, which I will do. Although I don't know how the bowl games are going to be this year because mm-hmm. they started so late. I and who knows? I haven't looked that far ahead, but I anticipate there'll be something for me to consume. But when you take a break and get away from your normal work pace, um, that's when clarity can come in. And even if you have a you know really structured work day and things like that and giving yourself a ton of self-care time and whatnot, it's going to allow me to start thinking about that. And you know, the, the spinning off of the show has been back of mind for several months now. And uh, with the organization, you know, the name of it being the Breakfast Leadership Network, that tells you it's a network. That means there's other things to it. And I, I have the media arm. I've got the speaking arm, the podcast, the, um, the writing and content creation and all of that is kind of the umbrella on it. But I think other shows go into it. And, you know, there's, you know, distinct possibility that I could bring on additional host to host something along one of those channels and say, okay, this is part of the Breakfast Leadership Network. They talk about this subject and they niche or niche down, depending on how you say the word, um, in that particular you know row or column, I should say, and it, it gets spit off. So those are things that have been you know, top of mind for a while and I, I'll kind of hash it out in as with anything that I tend to do, I try to have it go organically. Um, yes, I kind of guide it on certain things, but I think that there's opportunities here for me to say, okay, let's let's start focusing on this, and you know, still do the interviews that I do. And, and when I see you know someone coming in, okay, it's an author, they're writing about employee wellness and this and this. It's like, okay, that could go into a health segment, or that could go into a business segment. Again, depending on how the conversation goes, but segue it into those things and just tell my podcast editor okay use this intro and outro for this one and and we're good um but i i think that's that's probably the the direction i think the show is going to take um you know I'm, I'm very fortunate i get to talk to amazing human beings uh globally all over the world uh and from former orchestra directors to people that worked at nasa to um incredible business thought leaders to billionaires to you name it and it, it's wonderful and you know this from you know being a host and anybody's listening that ever wants to launch their own show is you can get access to people that would be very difficult in the quote-unquote old days <laughs> to talk with them all of a sudden you get them on your show you're having a one-on-one conversation and i've had some conversations with people that I've had their books for over a decade, and I'm interviewing them, I'm talking to them, and I'm picking their brain. And I'm asking them, what about this? What about this? And they're all gracious with their time, and they tell you, here's this and this and this. And those little nuggets that we can all give each other on our experiences make such a huge difference in moving people forward to the next level that they want to get to. And I'm a big fan of the pie is so big, not any of us can eat all of it. There's so much of it. Let's bring everybody there and and eat the pie and, and <laughs> enjoy. And, hopefully, and there's different flavors, too. So if you hate pumpkin pie and you love apple pie, there's that, too. There's plenty of it. So you know, I, I, I make it a point to whenever I can help people with anything that I know something about or know somebody that does know something, I'm more than happy to help them out because it just makes the world better. Yeah, which I think we definitely, as you mentioned, at this time, especially with the pandemic and people 
being either on their own because of isolation mm-hmm. or not being able to connect with the people they normally would. It's, it's like I said, it's so key to, to look out for each other. Now, you've mentioned, obviously, you speak to a lot of different people mm-hmm. and a lot of different leaders across multiple industries and, and ex- expertise, etc. Mm-hmm. And normally I have a question that I ask on a show about um, favourite episodes, stuff like that. But I want to I want to spin that a little bit differently. Okay. So who, and it doesn't necessarily have to be your, your show, but who is your favourite leader, an example of leader or a great leadership? And who's your hero of all time and why? Okay, probably, and I haven't interviewed uh, this individual. I would love the opportunity, but I have um, spoken with him um, before, and it's uh, Alan Mullally. Uh He's the former CEO of Ford Motor Company and also the former CEO of Boeing before they had the airplane issue that they're dealing with right now. It was several years ago. I uh, had the opportunity to meet him a couple years ago at a leadership event and had a you know, brief couple minute conversation with him one on one after his talk. Now, I was familiar with him because I grew up in the Detroit area. I know all about Ford Motor Company. My grandfather worked for them. My 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 family, three generations, worked for General Motors. Had uncles that worked for Chrysler. So I I know the auto sector really really well. And you know, so he was the keynote for this event, and I'd never heard him i was familiar with him but i never heard him speak and i never really knew some of the backdrop and how he was able to turn ford motor company around at the time that he led the organization because when he took over you know they were bleeding really badly and all kinds of different things and his approach to leadership and how he gave permission for his employees to bring him the bad news without repercussion um, was amazing because so many people are afraid to go to their boss and say, I think we're going to lose a billion dollars in Q3. Well, previous administrations of Ford, they would never report that. They'd hide it, and of course, the numbers would come out and everybody would be shocked, like, how'd this happen? Well, he created a scenario uh, that I want people to come and give me the bad news so we can all talk about it and figure out ways to fix it. And then finally, one of the directors or VPs presented something to him, and it was a lost position, and he stood up and he clapped. And of course, that's not the reaction a lot of people (laughs) would think would happen, but he stood up and clapped because he said, thank you for being open and transparent and honest with what's really going on. Of course, the next week, everybody else was open and transparent, and it it was a sea of red, and that's when things started to change, because then everything was out in the open, they knew what was going on, and then they started making the adjustments to turn things around and 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 make Ford successful again at that time. As again, growing up in the auto sector, it's a roller coaster. There are some great times, there's some bad up down. Of course the Great Recession was really bad. Um but you know and we're seeing now all kinds of adjustments in the auto sector as well. But Malali is definitely uh, probably someone I would love to interview, and I th- and I've heard him talk, and he he gives a great great talk. As far as my favorite leader of all time, uh, hands down, Winston Churchill. Uh, and the reason being, and you know, I saw Darkest Hour, and I've followed Churchill and studied um, him. I I look at him sometimes as the accidental leader and or the reluctant leader. There's all kinds of different things that I kind of associate with him. And what he had to do with 
pretty much a zero buy-in to navigate, you know, the UK through the war, uh, you know, World War II, and the decisions and the things that had to happen exactly the way that they did, and working with the Allies and everything else. Um, it again with no one believing in him because you know when he finally got it, everyone pretty much saying because he tried to be that role for years and you know didn't even get close, and all of a sudden here he is. And how he navigated through that and, you know, stood up for what he thought was right um, is inspiring. And sometimes, and we know this in leadership, it can be lonely at the top. And the reason they say that is because a lot of people don't buy into your vision and the direction that you want to take an organization or a government or a country. Um, But the resolve that he had was inspiring and you know it's you know people ask me if there was one person you'd want to meet in the world you know that's no longer here or still here um it would be it would be prime minister churchill Mm, interesting he was obviously a big part from the uk originally obviously (laughs) and he was a big part of our history one of my favorite lessons at school was history um and that time world war ii was a a core part of our our Mm -hmm. land so that's that was an interesting choice there so michael this has been really insightful and fascinating chat i really appreciate you coming on i i know i've taken like my brain's taken over with a lot of the stuff you've been saying i'm going to when i'm listening back later i'm going to be making lots of little side notes etc because it's been an awesome chat i appreciate it thank you for anybody that wants to learn more about Mm -hmm. your show um and what you do obviously you mentioned uh you've got your uh your book from 1980 you've also got the 369 days how to survive book as well if anybody wants to learn more about you your show etc where's the best place for them to find your connect yeah the best place uh breakfastleadership.com is where you can find me in a lot of different places on social media uh, you can find me under the letter b and then fast leadership i'm on all the social media channels or if you look up hashtag breakfast leadership you, you'll, you'll be able to find me there um, reach out you know send me a note happy to connect happy to uh, give you any insights as you know to help people navigate through their burnout uh, the breakfast leadership shows available on all the major platforms uh, I, I tend to have episodes releasing every week lately i've been having several episodes a week <laughs> just to get through the backlog because um, there's been a couple interviews that were actually uh, for some reason i don't know how they slipped through the cracks but they were actually before the pandemic and i'm listening to them going wow this is like going in a time machine this is interesting we're talking about things that nobody's gonna be able to do that right now what the heck is he talking about so you know i apologize to that guest and i'm like yeah sorry about this one slipping through the cracks but um end of the day it's it's still beneficial information so breakfastleadership.com probably the best place to find me and then you can you know go down the rabbit hole and find me in a bunch of different places from there okay cool and obviously i'll leave all the links to the the, the website and the, the podcast etc in the show notes so if you're listening on your favorite app make sure to check out the show notes as usual uh, and again michael i really appreciate your time today it, it's been awesome thank you so much danny appreciate it okay so this has been another episode of podcaster stories if you enjoyed this week's show be sure to share it with anybody that you feel might benefit from you know what we've been talking about today and you can find it on all the main podcast apps like apple Podcasts, google Podcasts, spotify etc as well as podcasterstories.com where you can even sign up for the newsletter if you wish until the next time take care and stay safe